hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of people passion and purpose podcast uh, i think uh, the guest here qualifies uh, for all three i think uh, his uh, people skills his passion for a lot of things and his purpose generally in in, uh, in bringing change in bringing transformation personally professionally uh, in terms of teams in terms of communities i think it's it's something that is fantastic he's been a partner in crime for the last 3 3 1/2 years <laughs> So it is with the greatest of pleasures that I uh, welcome Arvind, uh, Arvind Pai to this conversation. Hi, Arvind. Uh, hi, Sunil, or hi, Pungi. Nice <laughs> to meet you on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's been a long time coming, I think, that, that you know, we've uh, had quite an interesting uh, lot of people. And I've always wanted to have you as a guest, uh, have your... uh quite quite rebellious views on uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah and I, i'm honored that you say that that you wanted to have me yeah <laughs> uh, yes yes, yes. Okay. i think even generally from the audience's point of view also i think uh, uh, all those who have known me through linkedin also know of you so it, it's going to be a added extension of uh, having you as a part of the show okay okay so okay. i think we have uh, we usually start off with with something like who who are you and what is that you do so i i will leave the introduction to you so that you know it gives uh, me some time to get, get get some interesting questions going so who is arvind what does he do okay. <laughs> uh yeah so arvind is a lot of things so uh, in my day job i am a software engineer and architect that's my official uh, role that uh, kind of keeps the kitchen fire burning as they call it but uh, my uh, but but i am actually a lot more than that i i like to explore many other things as well um, so one of the passion areas for me is uh, related to sustainability i'm not an expert on this but i'm kind of uh, enthusiastic about it and i try to do things uh, on the sustainability topic very very good chance in my personal life and also trying to influence others uh, besides this uh, i also like to uh, contribute towards uh, topics like uh, diversity uh, trying to connect people and bring people together and see how best we can uh, improve the uh, the level of equality equity in in the world or at least in the small part of the world that i live in uh, i am a big uh, animal lover i would say i, I would even say that uh, maybe uh, taking care of uh, animals is my main purpose in life and everything else is like a side show uh, whether it's uh, software engineering or anything everything else is like a side show um besides this uh, in in my uh, in my kind of personal time i i am a big fan of watching uh, japanese uh, anime and i also re- read the manga but uh, the anime is uh, that is the most entertaining for me uh, Uh, and yeah, I mean, in general, I think I'm uh, I'm also quite well known for my sarcasm, which uh, which which I call it as uh, I offer it as a SaaS model, sarcasm as a service. Um, and yeah, in, in general, I think uh, people people consider me more as a villain than a hero, which which I don't mind, of course, uh, because that's that's how I like to do things. Uh, and I think most importantly, I would say, uh, you know, I. I am a huge fan of uh, unsung heroes in our life. The the ordinary people who do ordinary but important things, 
uh, and uh, you know, I'm a very big fan of uh, uh, these uh, unsung heroes uh, in in our life or in general in the world. Uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, in brief uh, about me. Uh, yeah, and let's see what questions, what interesting questions you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think Arvind is a lot of things. Uh, you know, sustainability, DI. uh linkedin sarcasm at least i have only been uh, <laughs> and you know his his love for animals uh, he's not a dog person he's not a cat person he's he's more of an animal person and that's what he is and uh, we've had quite quite an interesting uh, set of conversations with him the rebellious streak or you know the villainry or the sarcasm i am very curious to know how would how did it start uh, how, Is, is was it the upbringing thing or is it you know something different uh i think in uh, in general it started uh, in my childhood i would say where uh, and mostly both mostly it started in school and so it was like many a times uh, the the quality of uh, the education that we got in school that was let's just say it was uh, not hundred uh, percent, uh, and uh, quite often, uh, you know, I would know many things which uh, which are uh, explained in a l- less than accurate way, and I would always question that, you know, why is uh, this thing done in this way, and then I was and right from childhood I was uh, seen as a rebel because, uh, you know, there was uh, I think some uh, some case where. Uh, there was, I think, some discussion happening about uh, the citizenship and rights or something in some civics class, and uh, uh, the question was related to uh, what qualifies you to be a citizen of India or something. And then I think I asked some questions uh, like, uh, you know, if there is a person born in Australia and he wants to travel to India, uh, what has he got? What should he do to become a citizen if he wants to be? Uh, and this was for some reason this was shut down. Right, so it was the the teacher just said, uh, "Don't ask these kind of questions. Just uh, ask whatever is mentioned in the textbook. I will not answer anything outside that." So these 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 are just one example, but right from my childhood, I have seen these kind of things where there is a set uh, pattern to follow. There is like a, a list of uh, items in a checklist which the teacher wants to tick off, and if somebody goes off script, then they don't like it and. uh this this was not only uh, in school but even in general how many times i have seen this that people uh, have a set way of doing things and if somebody challenges them then uh, it's not taken very kindly and that's when i uh, i kind of uh, went to do this villainous mode rather than a heroic mode um and in my experience uh, if if you if you want to do good things then it's much easier to do it as a villain than as a hero uh because if you if you are a villain there are no restrictions you can do whatever you want uh, as long as your end goal is to do something good but if you are hero then you have to follow so many rules and then you have to do things and that becomes a real headache so that's why you know like i said in the beginning it's much easier to do things as a villain than as a hero and that's how it started <clears throat> so very offshoot question so who's your favorite cartoon character you know <laughs> a uh, cartoon character i think uh, in in general i think when when i was a, when i was a child uh, there was this uh, cartoon character known as uh, dennis the menace which i really liked 
there was uh, there was even Scooby uh, Doo and uh, all these other uh, as a child. So when I grew up and I moved more into the anime area, uh, and you know that's more like the Japanese uh, cartoon uh, in some sense. Although some anime fans will get offended if I call anime as a cartoon, but uh, but practically that's what it is. So uh, one of my favorite. Uh, a uh, cartoon uh, or anime character is a uh, character known as uh, Uchiha Madara uh, from an uh, anime known as uh, Naruto. And he's like one of the strongest people uh, in that uh, story. And uh, many of the, and he's also a villain, by the way. And uh, uh, he does many things uh, with a good intention, but let's say in a villainous way. So that's kind of what I like about him. Uh, that that is good. Uh, I think I've heard a lot of Naruto, but I've never seen. Uh, I think Dennis the Menace really summed it up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so for for those who, who for those who don't know Dennis the Menace, I think a Google Google search is going to give you a lot of interesting you know tidbits. <laughs> really have a good look. Yeah. But I was more expecting you know a Gru from Despicable Me. <laughs> okay, I think I've not seen that yet. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Uh, yes, but how is it uh, as a child growing up? Uh, so from from your surname, I can somehow find out that you know you're from Karnataka and you're somewhere from near the coastal areas. Yeah, that's uh, true. From the surname, I'm from uh, Mangaluru, but uh, I have not really lived there for a long time. Uh, I think I lived there for like the first uh, three years of my life, and then. Uh, I, because my my father was a, a bank, I mean a government bank employee, so you know he got transferred to a place in uh, Maharashtra uh, known as Kudal. That's where I learned uh, Marathi. Uh, it's it's in some sense it's like my second mother tongue, I would say. Uh, my first mother tongue, of course, being Konkani, uh, you know, which is the language we speak at home. Uh, then uh, after that, I uh, again uh, because of my dad's uh, transfer, I moved to Goa. And finally, I managed to do my engineering from Belgaum, uh, which is uh, kind of in Karnataka, but also kind of disputed with Maharashtra. So you know, I've been in this area for quite some time, and that's how I picked uh, many, uh, many languages like this. And uh, one of the interesting things is uh, I, I often get this uh, uh, comment from people that even though you are South Indian, your Hindi is excellent. And I don't know if it's meant to be a compliment or an insult, but that's how it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, generally, I think it's a compliment. So you have <laughs> expectations. It is expected that somebody from Southern India is, is uh, you know, not not the best when it comes to Hindi and you know, and the other way around. People with the, people in Northern India are not really expected to know uh, the language of of the South. So. Mm. Yeah. In that usually is either curiosity or you know sometimes uh, there's a requirement uh, and somebody who wants to respect the nation and the culture of the place uh, and be one with the place. So I think that is also a big factor. But you you said you moved to Goa, then you know uh, then Maharashtra, then born in Bangalore, then now you are working in Bangalore. So how is it moving around here and there? Uh, were you able to easily get friends or uh, uh, I think uh, it's it's a it's a loaded question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I do make uh, quite a few close friends, uh, but I also make a lot of enemies in every place that I go to. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I mean, in, in general, I'm uh, I'm more of an introvert. Uh, I, I tend to have a very uh, small uh, circle of friends. I don't uh, like to be like uh, this kind of an energetic person who goes around uh, talking to random people and uh, doing stuff. But uh, uh, when uh, when I connect with some people and they are very close to me, uh, then I do, uh, you know, uh, take take that friendship or that relationship very seriously. So. It's uh, let's just say it's uh, less is more or uh, quality over quantity. Uh, that is fantastic. So, are there any tidbits from your you know college life, school life, some some interesting anecdote or something that you would like to share with the audience? Could be funny, could be you know serious, could be anything. Mm. Let, let me just uh, think about uh, some interesting stuff that happened. I mean, there were uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, interesting stories that happened, but uh, I think one of the one of the interesting things that uh, really happened, or uh, one of the let's say uh, one of the incidents that uh, really influenced me a lot in uh, uh, in the in the, the remainder of my life till now is uh, well, I had one uh, professor named uh, uh, Anil Kumar Baligar. Uh, he was my uh, professor of uh, logic design or digital electronics uh, in engineering. And, uh, you know, he had a very uh, kind of a strict approach to things. Um, so, it, and uh, initially that uh, that used to frustrate me quite a lot. Uh, and hopefully, uh, by some way, he is uh, he will also listen to this podcast at some time, I hope. And hopefully, I can contact him again. But anyway. Um, so coming back, uh, he had a very uh, strict way of doing things. But and uh, initially, it used to frustrate me a lot. Like it's like you're putting in your best effort, and he, it feels like he's always complaining. Uh, and other people, uh, they are putting very less effort, and uh, he's praising them or something. Uh, and later, I realized uh, uh, it, it was not like that. It was more like uh, if he sees a potential in a person to uh, grow then those are the people he treats more strictly and uh, the the intention is that these people should uh, realize their potential whereas uh, you know if people are at some kind of an ordinary level uh, he praises them because he feels like they are not going to grow anyway so what's the point of being strict with them uh, and uh, this this actually quite influenced me quite a lot and one of the things that uh, he taught me was uh, to do things in a very systematic way, you know, very step by step way. So, you know, we had, uh, for example, in the labs, we used to have this uh, breadboard where we have to connect various components and wires and everything. So, what we would do is we would draw this uh, diagram on a piece of paper uh, and then we just panic and, you know, okay, there is a wire here, there is a wire there, and uh, we do this and we connect this over there. And uh, and, so, and once he's folded me for this, he's like, why, why are you doing it in this uh, donkey way or something? Uh, instead, you do it in a very systematic way. What you do is you first connect the power supply, you then connect the ground, then uh, you connect uh, the top of the breadboard to the bottom, and then you connect this to that. Uh, and finally, you bring all these, uh, uh, you know, the chips or the capacitors or whatever. And now there is no confusion. There is uh, like, uh, if there are 40 wires in your diagram and uh, you miss one, it's very difficult to find, but if you do it in a step-by-step -step way, then uh, there is no confusion. And if something goes wrong, you know exactly at this step it has gone wrong. 
And this is something I apply not only in electronics, but in many other aspects of life. You just do things in a systematic way. You go, you complete step one, you kind of put a checkpoint over there. Uh, and beyond that point, anything happens, you know that uh, up to step one, you have not made a mistake. So, you know, this is something which, uh, which uh, in an indirect way, it has influenced me a lot, even outside uh, the electronics topic. And uh, that I find really very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think strict teachers have a way of, uh, you know, growing on you after you moved out of the organization. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, quite, quite an interesting tidbit. I think even I didn't follow all these things when when, when we did our <laughs> labs, engineering labs, or uh, just like who does the experiment fastest and gets gets to the canteen faster. It was it was more that. Uh, and uh, you know really yeah, jumping yeah. into certain things <laughs> and and personally i breezed through engineering i i didn't know if i learned a lot of things but i only when i joined my professional course is when it's like oh this 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 is a shit storm that's coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think all of us go through that uh, in one way or the other uh, so I think uh, you you've worked in various organizations, and uh, what do you think uh, of of the things that the organizations are doing it right, and the things that organizations are you know just just basically putting it under the checklist era. <laughs> a lot about this. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that checklist is a good, very good topic. Yeah, but anyway, let's uh, talk about the more uh, positive things to begin with. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think the, there are um, there are many things which uh, which are happening uh, in a good way in the companies. Uh, uh, so especially if you are uh, in India nowadays, uh, there is a lot of uh, opportunity for growth uh, in various technologies. Uh, when uh, maybe twenty years ago, when this whole uh, business of uh, outpatient started, uh, people were uh, people in India were seeing more like uh, you know these are call center people to. Uh, they 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 can be trained to speak very good English and uh, we give them some uh, dummy names like uh, John or Tim or whatever so that our customers feel comfortable talking to them. But now we have moved on from that area more or less. Right? So we now uh, uh, interact or uh, support our international colleagues with our real name and not with some John or Tim or anything. Um, so there is. Uh, in many ways, there is a lot of respect for uh, the Indian talent now. Uh, we are not a, a call center or an outsourcing thing anymore. Uh, there are the new age technologies like, uh, let's say, AI, machine learning, or IoT, uh, cloud-based development. All these things, uh, people are actually looking at India as a talent pool. And uh, our companies here in India, whether they are Indian origin companies or the Indian branches or foreign companies, they are also doing very good to uh, to enable uh, these kind of uh, talent uh, growth in the country. And that, I think, is uh, is really very good uh, thing which is happening. Um, uh, as uh, And uh, coming to the, the checklist uh, or the KPI, I think, uh, yeah, that's also kind of a very favorite topic of mine. One of the things that I think uh, needs to improve a lot uh, is exactly this uh, uh, checklist because uh, it's like, uh, there, there is a there's a, in some sense there is like a monthly checklist so you know in march we do some things for sustainability in uh, april we do some things for uh, okay in march it's more like a women's empowerment in 
June, we do something for diversity. In uh, July, we do something for sustainability. And then we just stop it. And uh, this is uh, kind of feels uh, almost like uh, people are doing things uh, out of some kind of an obligation for publicity and not uh, really because they mean it. Um, I think the other uh, other problem with uh, some of these checklists is uh, many a times they are a way to avoid making decisions. So, uh, because uh, most of our life is subjective in nature, but we somehow want to assign numbers and uh, make an objective decision out of it. Right? So it's like you put uh, some numbers in an Excel sheet, you put some conditional formatting and you say, Okay, line uh, one is in green, line two is in red. So this is what we should do. But uh, in life, this is not how it happens, right? So for example, the, the relationships that uh, you make, so you make friendship with people or you have a relationship with some people, you don't uh, put some numbers in a checklist and say, okay, this person has scored uh, nine out of 10 and that person has scored 9.5. So I should make friendship with this guy. This is not how you do in life. And Somehow this uh, checklist feels like uh, a way to avoid making decisions. So it's like, if something goes wrong, you can always look at the Excel and say, hey, look, this is what the numbers told over there, and it is not my fault. So that is something I think uh, we need to be a little more, uh, let's say, uh, sensitive, and we need to be a little more courageous to make decisions, and we should accept that things are subjective, and we should take those decisions in a subjective way rather than uh, just looking at numbers and doing something. I hope that kind of answered your question. <laughs> uh, that opened a lot of can of worms, actually. So we, we <laughs> you know, people and, and Excel sheets. I remember one of your, uh, I think your uh, statuses with regards to you know, the Skype or Teams. You know, people are not uh, numbers in an Excel sheet. They are, they are people first. Yes, exactly. So, and, why, and uh, you have been involved in many activities that are, you know, putting grassroots first. So how has been that experience and why is that you're doing it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I'm, I'm involved actually in uh, quite a few grassroots initiatives, whether in my professional life or uh, whether uh, it's uh, in personal life. In personal life, maybe not so much of an initiative, but it's uh, more like we go around uh, or I go around my neighborhood and I look for ways to uh, support people in some way. Uh, it's not some kind of uh, NGO or has started or anything, I mean, I just do it on my basis. But more on the professional side, uh, I have been part of uh, many grassroots initiatives. And uh, uh, I think I'm uh, quite fortunate that my current uh, company, that is uh, Bosch, to be encourage or support these kind of grassroots initiatives. Uh, in, uh, in some other companies, maybe it's not uh, encouraged so much, but uh, here we do get uh, some kind of support to do this. Uh, I think the main uh, reason why I do this is uh, it's uh, to some extent it appeals to my uh, my, my tendency of bringing about change uh, and you know not not accepting things as they are. Uh, if there is a way to improve things or if there is a opportunity to question things and see what can be done better then of course I want to be part of that uh, and that's um, the main motivation for uh, driving or being part of these grassroots initiatives. The other uh, main motivation is that uh, as part of these uh, initiatives you kind of broaden your uh, horizon. You get to know people from different countries. You, 
uh, you meet people with uh, different cultures or people having different uh, problems in life, let's say people having different kinds of achievements in life even. Uh, and this kind of uh, broadens uh, your view of the world and uh, overall uh, it uh, makes you, I would say, um, a bit more tolerant to the, the nonsense that's uh, happening uh, around you in the world. And uh, I think most importantly, it uh, it kind of fuels my belief that you know, all said and done, we are all human beings. We are one community. We are one family. Regardless of whatever differences we have, regardless of the fights that we have with each other, uh, at the end of the day, we are one species. We are one, uh, one group of people, and we should support each other. So I think that's uh, uh, the main uh, message that uh, I I would like to give you know, from all these graphics initiatives. I think that is uh, that is fantastic. But I, I have another question. Similar uh, uh, lines. So a lot of lot of us look at you know the office as a very transactional and you know the office also plays a part in it. Um, many of us are completely okay with you know just coming in, uh, delivering our work packages and going home. So what is that that pushes you to basically go beyond uh, you know the idea of. Uh, 8.5 and uh, what would you give as an advice to somebody who's wanting to bring sets but is is currently stuck in you know, in a transactional job yeah i think uh, it's uh, it also depends on uh, each uh, each person's individual tastes uh, and uh, by the way if uh, somebody is uh, doing uh, uh, let's say a 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 job or they just want to get things done uh, and they want to go home at the end of the month they get a salary and uh, that's uh, enough for them to lead a comfortable life uh, and that's that's perfectly okay there is uh, there is nothing wrong with uh, being uh, working in that mode because uh, everybody's uh, priorities in life everybody's uh, uh, let's say the, the inner motivation in life is different and uh, for them it could be that uh, I need enough uh, money to, uh, to to look after my family or to look after myself, uh, but I have other interests that I want to work on, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, so I think that's uh, one of one of the messages I would give that uh, if uh, if somebody is uh, trying to drive change, uh, that's good, but don't uh, you know look down upon uh, other people who who may not be so motivated. I mean those uh, those people they are also our people, like I said uh, previously. They are also part of our family. They have uh, different tastes in life. Uh, that's okay. But if uh, if you are one of these people who wants to drive change, one of the things you should be prepared for is that uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you will get a lot of opposition in whatever you do. Um, many a times you will question uh, your own reality, whether uh, what you are fighting for is really the correct thing to do or not. Right. So that, that also happens many times because uh, the people uh, who resist change, they, they somehow don't want to give up uh, control of the, the privileges that they have. And then they will, uh, they will of course, try to uh, kind of discourage you in various ways. Uh, uh, some will do it in a polite way, some will do it in a more uh, harsh way, whatever. But uh, the important thing is uh, you should realize that this is all normal. And many times you will yourself feel frustrated that why the hell am I even uh, doing all this change when uh, I'm facing so much opposition. You know, but that, that's also perfectly normal. It's okay to feel frustrated when things are not going well because we are also humans. Uh, ultimately, we are not some kind of a 
a change making robot or anything. So that's also okay. But uh, it's important that uh, if you get frustrated or you get this kind of opposition that you keep uh, pushing forward. Uh, and many a times, 99% uh, of the times you may, 99% uh, times you may fail in uh, your endeavor, but uh, nonetheless, it is important that you do uh, you do try to think about the change because uh, even if uh, you failed at something, somebody else may be able to pick up where you left and they may be able to deliver the change that uh, that you wanted to see. So that that could be the uh, you know the main two advice I would give. One is ever don't look down upon uh, people who are not like you, who don't want to change. And secondly, a change is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult and uh, you have to be in it for the for the long haul, as we call it. Yeah, fantastic. I think two two fantastic points. I think one one thing is if you know one thing that really uh, was was wonderful to hear is is that uh, you know to even if you find yourself as uh, somebody who's driving uh, change, driving uh, certain initiatives, and people are not uh, coming on board, I think that should also be one part of the equation that you should accept that people have different priorities. And different things uh, to do, uh, and I think that brings me to the topic of diversity. Uh, what do you think we really are uh, at an organization level, at dif with different organizations doing uh, you know, very many different uh, things on LinkedIn, especially showing off on LinkedIn? That on the ground, it's it's going to be the same reality, or uh, we are we are looking at a very different. Uh, Okay, so that's uh, that's actually an excellent question, uh, and uh, I, I speak from my experience uh, in uh, multiple organizations as well as uh, talking to a few uh, friends and uh, relatives in other organizations. But mostly uh, in the IT area, uh, I don't know how it is in uh, other uh, other companies, but at least in the IT space, uh, based on my experience. Uh, that uh, there uh, there are many ways of uh, looking at uh, it. Right? So one is, of course, uh, it's it's important to keep giving out uh, the message that uh, we uh, encourage diversity. We want uh, a diverse group of people to work uh, for our company, especially if you are like a multinational company, multicultural company. That makes it important to keep keep giving that message. So you know that kind of encourages people to ask questions when some things are going wrong. But uh, again, also on uh, so all those promotional activities that happen uh, on social media or even internal media, etc. That's all uh, important because if we stop doing that, then uh, people will not have any motivation to to, to look out for these things. But also uh, in in ground uh, reality, what uh, what happens if we if we think about that? Uh, I think we still have quite a long way to go because um, uh, it's uh, it's more of a mindset change and rather than uh, um, changing some uh, policy in, uh, in in the HR portal or something. So it's uh, many a times what happens is uh, people say that they support diversity because uh, that's like a, a correct thing to say, but they don't actually mean it. And uh, you often see this, uh, for example, when uh, you know they say they support diversity, but as long as uh, their, uh, their their own view of the world doesn't get challenged, they are okay with it. But once uh, somebody starts questioning the privileges that they have, then uh, suddenly it uh, becomes uh, too personal. And uh, then there are excuses for why things are like this and uh, and so on. So I think that's the mindset that we need to grow out of that. 
uh, you know, anytime somebody asks a question, don't take it uh, kind of personally and think that somebody is accusing you of something. Uh, rather look at it as a way uh, by which we can work together to improve the things. And I think if we do this, I think we will go a very long way in uh, achieving that the true meaning of uh, you know, diversity or equity, inclusion, whatever uh, name you want to call it. And uh, what's been your you know biggest challenge when you've been working with these grassroots initiatives? Uh, the biggest uh, challenge I would say is, uh, I think the biggest challenge is uh, what what I said uh, you know, a few minutes ago. It's uh, trying to get acceptance of the people and uh, dealing with this uh, frustration because uh, many a times uh, people also don't want to be challenged or they don't want some of the changes. And then if those people are in power, then it becomes really difficult. And uh, the other uh, main challenge I feel is uh, you know, explaining your problem in a way that uh, people in other contexts can understand. Right. So, if there are, for example, some uh, India-specific problems, but the the decision maker for uh, this uh, diversity topic is in another country, then they may not so easily relate with uh, why it is a problem for you. And uh, then you have to kind of uh, give a big story of what is this uh, cultural aspect in India and why this is a problem and so on. And that uh, that actually that often takes a lot more effort than solving the, the actual problem itself. And uh, that many a times it frustrates me quite a lot because we talk about uh, diversity, but uh, all the decision making uh, uh, even for diversity topics is, uh, you know, in the hands of uh, a few limited people and everybody else has to all constantly fight to get that privilege, even to do some, uh, uh, you know, progress on the topic of diversity. So that's uh, usually quite frustrating. Mm -hmm. So Arvind, that was a, that was a wonderful uh thing to say and and you said you know how how do you explain uh, or get get your points across to various other departments uh, that are that are part of a fun, uh, that are part of an organization and also that you know uh, one thing fits all doesn't work in, in even in terms of diversity it's it's one thing one, one place where one thing fits all should not be the case uh, you would need people uh, in in a particular uh, place to even with geography, in terms of linguistics, in terms of work packages, everything has to be catered to that particular uh, audience that is coming in. And, and for me, the next question is a rather uh, uh, triggering question from personally for me, because, you know, I've been uh, as the, you know, you, you are an engineer, why are you putting your head into, you know, sustainability and you, you're not, and uh, why are you putting it, putting your head into HR, you're, you're, you're meddling in affairs that, you know, it's, it's not officially part of your uh, work package. So you, I think you've also been there. <laughs> so I just want to uh, yes. uh, yes. pull you there into that conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very interesting and very good question, actually. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, in, in general, uh, it, it also starts from this uh, rebellious attitude that I have. Uh, so it's like, uh, if if I'm officially an engineer, uh, why should I do only engineering work, right? So that's uh, one of the main 
motivations. Uh, the other point is uh, I don't uh, like to be the you know kind of stereotype like this or to be put in a box that this guy has uh, studied engineering, so he will do only engineering work and he doesn't uh, know anything about anything else. Uh, this is uh, kind of uh, not uh, acceptable to me uh, when I look at it. Uh, also, uh, in in many ways, uh, you know, we are, we are uh, human beings first, and then we are engineers and uh, employees and all those other things later. Uh, so, uh, you, you know, uh, you you are doing engineering, but you cannot be totally out of touch with the world around you. So, uh, if there is uh, if there is some uh, some some garbage uh, being thrown near your place, or uh, people are not segregating garbage, or it could be that there is some. Uh, uh, racial discrimination happening, uh, you cannot say like, but my job is to write code, why should I care about uh, discrimination? Right? So this kind of attitude, uh, it, it doesn't work. And uh, that's one of the main uh, drivers for me. And uh, whether it, uh, it's uh, categorized as an HR topic or as some CSR topic or, or something else, uh, it, it doesn't really matter because uh, even uh, otherwise in our life, we play multiple roles. We could be a uh, uh, so some people, you, you you are maybe a son to your parents, you may be a father to your child, you may be a husband to your wife, or you could be a friend to one of your friends, and, and so on. So we play many roles in our life anyway, so why not uh, do the same uh, uh, in professional life as well? So that's one of the motivations for doing this. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. We said you're human beings first, then you're engineer, then whatever, uh, you know, whatever comes into place. And um, uh, another question that, that is a follow-up is, uh, how do you juggle all these things? <laughs> yeah, from what I know, Arvind is into uh, you know, sustainability, he's into diversity, he's into you know, his own uh, work with regards to the work packages that he's delivering. Uh, and then he's into, uh, you know, uh, advocacy of, of uh, uh, the fairness in the organization. He, he has put, uh, you know, he, he's made his mark with with, with a lot of uh, uh, tough conversations. So how how do you handle all this? Uh, and also, you know, be, be who you are. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have some kind of a formula or uh, some time <laughs> management or anything like this for this uh, Generally, what I what I just do is whatever the, is the problem in front of me. If I can uh, solve it, I, I just go ahead and do it. I don't uh, care whether it comes from my work package or it comes from sustainability or it comes from something else. So if there is a problem in front of me and I can do it, then I do it. So it's uh, almost entirely kind of an interpretive uh, approach, uh, I would say. Uh, and and then uh, I I don't really pay attention to you know whether I worked uh, eight hours today or ten hours or four hours or uh, or whatever. Uh, I try to keep things uh, as flexible as possible in that way. Uh, and many in many ways uh, it's also because uh, that uh, the, the the benefit or the joy that you get out of doing those things that that motivates you. Then you don't realize that. Uh, Ten hours have passed, or uh, it's only you're working only for four hours or anything. And uh, of course, I also take uh, a rest from time to time. It's not like I'm always uh, overworking and uh, getting things done. Uh, sometimes, what also happens is uh, there are uh, there are many topics that I want to work on, but uh, uh, I don't have uh, enough capacity to do it. And then I just uh, I, I just let it go. I mean, there are uh, 
that there are enough uh, other people with the same passion, one of them will pick it up. That's what I believe. And if nobody else picks it up, then uh, it's a kind of a signal that maybe this topic is not really so important for anybody except me. And uh, then that's also okay. So, you know, I don't, uh, as, as much as possible, uh, except for a few, uh, few topics, I don't uh, attach myself to anything personally. So, you know, if something succeeds, it's, uh, it makes me happy. But if it fails, then uh, then I don't really feel so disappointed because it's not something, uh, uh, you know, like, it, it's not like something my, my life depends on that thing, uh, kind of uh, relation with that topic. So that that helps me to uh, keep my uh, my head stable even when things don't, uh, don't go right. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, but uh, you said, you know, uh, uh, and I've personally been a big, big fan. A big fan of all that you've been doing. I think all, uh, even apart from initiatives, I think one of the most fascinating things is, is your LinkedIn humor. <laughs> uh, so, has, like, I, uh, for, for the audience, I think uh, search for Arvind Pai on uh, LinkedIn. You can find find him there and then uh, just, just look at his comments. Uh, majority of them are... Uh, in, in that space where I think uh, uh, Arvind is, is, is at his sarcastic best. Um, to, to next follow-up question is, uh, have you ever gotten in trouble with, you know, with your sarcasm? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I lost out of the times when I get in trouble with these things. But for me, I think, uh, and, and quite frankly, at uh, beyond a certain point, I just stopped uh, caring. So you, you become so numb to it. Uh, you know, the first uh, few times uh, you say something sarcastically and people take offense to it. Uh, and then beyond a certain point, you are like, yeah, okay, uh, this, this is business as usual. I don't care about this anymore. Um, but I think the, the bigger the problem is uh, when uh, people don't get the sarcasm. Like they, they, they take it seriously uh, and uh, then uh, and in, in a way that's that's also fun right? because uh, in, in my initial uh, times I sometimes used to explicitly use some hashtag sarcasm or some uh, backslash sarcasm or something so to make it clear that this is sarcasm but uh, later I realized that things are more fun if you don't do that. So you know, it's uh, it's it's more entertaining when some people get the sarcasm, some people don't. Uh, and uh, in in the in the previous uh, social network called uh, Orkut, uh, which I think shut down a few years ago, but which was quite popular in India, uh, many times it uh, it happened that uh, you know I make some sarcastic comment, then one group of uh, people they don't get the sarcasm, the other group of people they get it. And then those two groups uh, fight with each other over uh, what Arvind actually meant. And that was very, very entertaining to read. And that was more amusing, actually. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, coming um, coming to LinkedIn sarcasm, uh, yes, I think uh, there is uh, way too much rubbish happening on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, what I call as uh, uh, influencer spreaders. Uh, they are spreading, uh, they, they call themselves influencers, but I call them influencer spreaders. Uh, you know, they from from some very trivial things, uh, they make a big story out of it. Like, you know, I I took an auto, and uh, this uh, auto driver uh, turned out to be some uh, uh, IAS officer, and then uh, we, you know, I took a selfie with him, and uh, and from this I got this life lesson, and 
all that is not required. Just live your life normally uh, and don't make a big deal out of everything. And, uh, you know, coming, it also some to some extent connects with what I uh, spoke uh, in the early part of this uh, podcast about uh, unsung hero. It's, it's okay for people to be ordinary uh, and live an ordinary life, do good things in their ordinary life. Everybody doesn't need to be like a, uh, I don't know, an IAS officer or uh, some kind of uh, Olympic uh, aspirant or marathon runner or anything. So don't try to uh, artificially create uh, heroes out of ordinary people. So it, it's okay for people to be ordinary. There's nothing wrong with it. Those are ordinary people are also good people and uh, let them be like that. Uh, yeah. And you brought the topic of autos and LinkedIn. Um, so there's a post uh, that I think you had uh, posted of, of, you know, people, I think there's a general trend of uh, metropolitan cities being bashed. You know, the uh, transportation startups being, you know, taken right, left, center, and trying to get publicity out of uh, that uh, uh, for themselves. And then you you uh, effectively put saying 30 kilometers or something you've come from, you know, BMTC. Mm. Um, so that I think is a very interesting thing. So uh, for me that, you know, uh, in Bangalore, we're still able to travel through BMTC. Do you come to office uh, with, with BMTC? Uh, I moved to I moved to Bangalore in 2007 when I when I you know, got my first job, uh, and over the last 15 years, uh, I think 95 percent of my travel in Bangalore happens through BMTC buses. Uh, uh, till date, I have never booked a Ola or an Uber. Uh, I just uh, don't want to deal with that nonsense. Uh, that you know they send an OTP and sometimes that OTP is wrong and then they send another OTP. And the driver says uh, this ride is cancelled, and uh, even if they accept the ride, uh, you know, uh, throughout the journey they are ranting that uh, if I had got an uh, airport uh, pickup, I would have made more money. But now I am stuck with this idiot. Uh, he's just going five kilometers, uh, so I just don't want to do all that. So I just uh, take uh, BMTC uh, bus uh, for almost ninety-five to more, maybe more than even that. Uh, I, I have my own car also, by the way, but uh, I very much strongly prefer to go by the the BMTC buses uh, in Bangalore. And uh, um, many times the uh, people even make fun of me, like you know, they are like, uh, "Are you some kind of a poor person who is using bus?" And that uh, that to me sounds very ridiculous because the same people, when they go to Europe. Uh, and they come back, they are all praised like, oh, even the CEO of uh, some big company is uh, going by uh, the, the the train or uh, even the prime minister of uh, UK is traveling by train. Uh, why, why can't you have the same attitude uh, in your own country that if somebody is traveling by the public transport, it is uh, it, it is contributing to you know the, the environment in terms of the carbon emissions that we do. Uh, in general, it's uh, much... Uh, much more, let's say, democratic way of transport. Right? So in a BMTC bus, uh, everybody is the same. Right? So you could be wearing a coat or you could be wearing uh, an ordinary T-shirt. Uh, the, the fare is the same for you. You get to meet many interesting people from different walks of life. Well, why, why, why can't you accept that as a res respectable thing? That's something that uh, people need to think about. I let that simmer for some time. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I think I had a, I, I've been, uh, I think I've been part of the Indian middle class and still am. And uh, 
uh, for me it's always been fascinating to either walk or you know at least get get myself a bus uh, bus or metro uh, generally public transport and mass public transport that uh, essentially gives you a very interesting way of life uh, that you you're able to look at people from very different backgrounds uh, empathize with them get to know of them uh, get get a view that is you know slightly better than you know sitting in sitting in an ola sitting in a different uh, uh transportation system and i think even when i get into transportation systems it's almost always that i am somebody who's uh, subject to hearing very interesting stories from people uh, because i don't know uh, what what what's what is that they see in me but usually i am the one who's empathetically listening to them and just nodding and you know essentially having a good entertaining session uh, throughout the throughout the journey i uh, i am not somebody who Uh, you know i can say that i travel 90% through vmtc but then i usually look at uh, one of the ways to you know try and reduce carbon emissions uh, be a little more sustainable so you have been quite a you know uh, if sustainability at least in an india and in, in the office context that we have uh, a look at i think your name uh, comes comes uh, in in the first top 5 i think arvind is 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 contributing to topics of sustainability awareness sustainability action Uh, so how did that start and uh, how's that journey and if you have some tips like easy uh, tips that you know people can follow because they've heard it from me from a lot of times <laughs> it, it is good also to hear it from somebody else saying it's, it's not pungi's figment imagination <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually uh, yeah i mean uh, i i have been kind of doing uh, these uh, sustainability activities in personal life uh, even without actively realizing it but uh, uh in a more uh, dedicated way it happened i think when uh, when i participated in that uh, paper bag making which uh, you had started some two two and a half years ago um you know that's uh, uh, until then i was just like uh, uh, in my personal life i was uh, like trying to uh, mostly reuse things as much as possible and uh, not uh, throw away uh, things when they go bad try to repair them or to put them to some other use or, or something but uh, it was uh, after uh, that uh, paper bag making uh, what uh, you had organized uh, i think uh, that's when uh, i got to know that you know even uh, this thing is known as sustainability even that world was uh, kind of new to me but uh, and then there are many aspects to it uh, these are all things that i got to know from there uh, and uh, since then i have been uh, actively following in the last two two and a half years what are the various uh, Uh, sustainability activities happening uh, in in various countries even um, even uh, things like the uh, rainwater harvesting uh, and uh, making the compost out of waste these are some things which i uh, try to actively learn and uh, try to uh, you know uh, tell people about it and if uh, if they have the means to do it then uh, they can do it uh, but uh, you know in, in that way it has been uh, quite uh, quite a journey but uh, i would say uh, one of the things that uh, i follow is uh, you know in some sense it's like a self gamification right? so uh, try to try to drag things out as much as possible that's something which i follow in many aspects of life uh, i even say that uh, the procrastination is uh, the key to success so what i mean by that for example is uh, you you buy let's say you want to buy a furniture Uh, right, and uh, there is already an old table in your house. Uh, uh, what I could do is, you know, even the 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 old table that I use at home now, it is like uh, some twenty one years old now. 
because uh, when this work from home started uh, and uh, there was some kind of uh, uh, an expectation that uh, you'd be working from home for an extended period of time, then I felt like maybe, maybe do should I buy a new a table to keep all this stuff and then I realized that I already have like a old kind of computer table. It, it it had a few problems but you know on one of the weekends I sat with the hammer and the screwdriver and I fixed uh, all these problems and since then I'm able to use it. So in I, I do the gamification in that sense. So rather than you know how many uh, how many tables I can afford it's more like I have one table for how long can I use it. So I have used my current table for 21 years uh, I had a wristwatch which I bought when I was in school and that uh, lasted uh, for 19 years. Of course, I had to like uh, get it repaired and change the cell and uh, change the strap and everything. But finally, that, that, that watch gave up. Right. So at some point, it just stopped working and then uh, then I had to give it up. But I could use it for 19 years. That's more than half of my life till now. Um, so this is uh, something and it, uh, in some sense, it also... Uh, connects with uh, another topic of interest to me, which is uh, the the various uh, scams that happen and uh, how companies try to manipulate you psychologically. Right, so it's like they uh, release a new model of a smartphone every six months. Well, why why do they do that? It's like there is this kind of a psychological pressure. Now. So you know, six months ago, if some version uh, uh, X came in the market and that was like the latest thing. Uh, now you release a version Y and suddenly people feel like that version X is old or it's not good enough or whatever and now you are forced to buy or people are, uh, are tempted to buy version Y. But, uh, in, you know, if, if you had never heard this news about uh, version Y being launched, then you are quite happy to continue using version X for maybe another one or two years or even five years, whatever. But it's this kind of psychological manipulation that happens where, you know, companies try to uh, manipulate you into buying things that you don't need or uh, buying uh, things uh, more often than you need them. Uh, and, you know, in some way, this uh, sustainability also is kind of a counter to that. So if you, if you can use one smartphone for five years, why do you want to buy a new smartphone every year? Uh, yeah. And so, you know, these are some of the things that I, that I actively look for. So various uh, scams that, uh, that happen uh, even in many uh, many fields, right? So one other scam that I can uh, talk about is, uh, let's say you go to some jewelry shop to buy a jewelry, right? And uh, then they say there is some kind of a scheme that uh, you have to invest uh, 5,000 rupees uh, for the next uh, 10 months, uh, every month. And after 12 months, uh, you can uh, buy a new jewelry of some 60,000 rupees or something. And then they say it's a profit of 10,000 rupees for you or, or something. But what, what is actually happening is uh, you are getting manipulated because now, uh, okay, today you went to buy a jewelry because you wanted it, right? So, but now uh, they have kind of created an obligation on you to buy a jewelry again after one year and that too only from that shop. Uh, and to, to do this, uh, they kind of make it feel like uh, it's a profit for you. It's like you have invested only 50,000, but you are getting a value of uh, uh, some 60,000, right? So this is... Uh, this is also, you know, another way of uh, manipulating uh, uh, even uh, even some of these uh, reward points and uh, everything that uh, people say. Uh, these are also some other ways by which people manipulate you into spending on things that you don't really need or spending more than what it is actually worth. 
So these are also some of the things that we need to watch out for. And uh, at least, uh, you know, uh, over the years, I have uh, I have so much experience. I recognize all kinds of scams. And when, when these people try these scams on me, it feels very hollow. I mean, I can almost see through their uh, lies so easily. Uh, and now it is, uh, in many ways, it's very difficult for anybody to scam me. But of course, I'm not perfect. It is still possible that uh, somebody will be able to scam me, but it's very, very unlikely. It's a very, um, uh, you know, well, well uh, established scam that that you, you spoke about, especially the uh, stuff. But then there are other scams. I think uh, generally, when when we say about you know sustainability and. People in the organization saying, oh, we're, we're sustainable, we're, we're say carbon neutral. I think carbon neutrality is is, is for me a, a huge scam because I think uh, uh, you're, you're saying that it is okay that, you know, I killed two people in a particular place. Uh, now I'm able to get to, like, I, I am able to get or, you know, basically make two more people or um, essentially create yeah. people in another place. So I'm neutral. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. This this is also you know it's it's called uh, nowadays carbon credits. So you you burn carbon in one place, but uh, then you pay money to reduce carbon in another place, and uh, somehow that uh, that fulfills your obligation. And that's a very very fascinating uh, uh, you know, a, a system that people have created to feel good about themselves. And then there's somebody who's working in in the in in that sector, you know, not not just to push checklists and to actually bring change. So how where does that put you? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, everything somehow uh, circles back to my uh, rebellious nature. So you know, there is always uh, questions to be asked. Uh, there is always. Uh, you know everything uh, that is stated uh, should always be looked at with uh, a healthy dose of suspicion. This is something which uh, which I do quite a lot, and of course that uh, that annoys many people uh, because it makes them feel uncomfortable. But uh, that's okay. That's uh, that's exactly what I'm I'm here to do. Uh, so yeah, I mean on this uh, even on this uh, sustainability thing, uh, I think it's also becoming more of a checklist uh, even uh, uh, in in terms of. Uh, Nowadays, there is a lot of uh, scope, uh, a lot of uh, focus on uh, this uh, so-called uh, ESG, right? So companies which uh, have uh, ESG, they are uh, some kind of uh, good companies, which means uh, you can find more uh, valuable uh, investors. So, you know, um, you, you want people to invest in your company, you say that uh, on ESG parameters, we are doing so and so. But whether that's really true, uh, we don't know. So there are there are actually many companies which uh, which kind of uh, you know outsource uh, this uh, carbon neutrality. So it's like uh, you know that some processes are going to burn a lot of uh, carbon. Let's say uh, they're going to generate a lot of carbon. So what we do is we kind of outsource those processes to some other company. So then, you know, this uh, carbon doesn't appear in your balance sheet. And then you can claim that we are carbon neutral. So this is also uh, something uh, that, you know, we people need to be aware of uh, when they say that a certain company is doing well on uh, uh, ESG or, the, or the, in terms of carbon neutral. Uh, 
it's uh, it's uh, i mean it's also uh, in some way uh, it's also a checklist for the investors right so uh, on the one hand uh, you have a checklist where you say okay what is the score on esg what is the score on uh, diversity what is the score and then you say oh, okay this is a good company but uh, if you actually go in and investigate what's what's actually happening uh, where the cash is flowing and uh, what are the products being manufactured who is the uh, subcontractor and all those things then uh, you will get a much be much bigger picture. But uh, like I said in the beginning, uh, these checklists are sometimes used as a way to uh, avoid uh, doing uh, this kind of uh, extra effort to arrive at a good decision. Uh, so yeah, I, I think my my monologue kind of meandered around the topic, but uh, I hope it kind of covers what you what you want, what you are asking. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you, you but but you know the idea of. Uh, uh, Trying to escape this through Jugad uh, means, sir. You know, trying to <laughs> just just beat the system that is in place. And I think yes, companies exactly. are guilty of uh, guilty of this at at many levels. Uh, like and and you said, you know, people should investigate with a healthy sense of uh, uh, you know suspicion, especially. And and how many people do you think actually do that? <laughs> Uh, exactly. Uh, that's I think very less, right? So it's uh, not even one percent of the people. I think it's uh, even when you are like investing your money, uh, and somebody, uh, some expert, uh, some influencer spreader says that uh, uh, you know ESG is a good thing, then they just uh, uh, you know search uh, in the internet which are the top uh, ten uh, ESG compliant companies, and then ask uh, these companies are good to invest, uh, and they just do that. And uh, to, to a lot of extent, you cannot uh, blame them also because uh, these companies also make it very difficult to get the required information because, you know, everything is uh, hidden behind something. So they say that due to company policies, we cannot uh, tell who are the customers, or what uh, who are the subcontractors and uh, there are uh, some legal things and blah, blah, whatever. And uh, uh, then it uh, it becomes uh, even if you are uh, interested to do that investigation, it becomes really difficult. You have to put in a lot of time and effort to uh, to to keep digging through, and uh, that that also becomes a challenge for many people because it's not like uh, people don't have anything else to do with their life uh, and they can just keep uh, investigating. The the bigger problem I feel is that uh, there are uh, there are many times uh, people who, who have this like as their main job, and so there are. Uh, investment uh, managers, let's say, or uh, some uh, mutual fund managers and so on. And they claim that they have done all this investigation and they have concluded that these are the companies to invest in. But uh, in reality, what happens is also another scam that um, many times uh, uh, your advisor will advise you to invest in certain things based on uh, what is beneficial for them and not what is beneficial for you. So, you know, if uh, product X gives him uh, or her two percent commission and product uh, Y gives him four percent commission, then they will spin a story around it, which makes the product Y more desirable because uh, they don't. Uh, even though he is supposed to be your finance advisor, uh, he or she is actually more interested in his or her own finances and not in your finance as a customer. So this is also something you know you need to be very very careful. Of. Uh, when when you are uh, you know putting your money into something, whether it's for sustainability reasons or for any other uh, you know, personal finance reasons, uh, 
it's yeah, it's it's not so easy to do, but uh, it's also necessary to be aware of these things. Actually, a very interesting session. Truth, but I mean, uh, so <laughs> yes, of course. Mm, yeah. I think one one final uh, question. I think Zoom's given a second in second uh, trigger to us saying this this meeting will also end in ten minutes. Uh, okay. So generally, I think on the uh, on the topics that I think we've, we've covered sustainability, we've covered DEI, I think we've covered hypocrisy, we've covered you know, scams, we've covered uh, your uh, you know um, interest and passion towards so many other things and like people first, uh, Excel sheets and people. uh numbers so is there anything else that you know you you would like to uh, basically share in the next 5 to 6 minutes yeah that's a, that's a good question uh, let's see what else uh, do i have to talk about so i guess uh, that's that, that was uh, mostly uh, everything that i that i thought i could uh, i could share today We we talked about uh, scams. We talked about uh, financial awareness, sustainability, diversity. Um, you know, the cartoons and anime. We talked about animals. We talked about pony. We talked about unsung heroes. I think that's uh, kind of a topic very close to my heart, which uh, I got an opportunity to share today with you and your audience. So I think that was uh, mostly all the topics that uh, uh, kind of. Uh, Meet uh, you know the the purpose of your podcast, my people, passion, and purpose. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a very good uh, conversation uh, to have with you, and uh, I I also enjoyed you know answering uh, your uh, your questions and uh, in general talking about things that uh, that I'm so passionate about. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that that was that's all I uh, have to share. Yeah, I think when when you said uh, this, there there's another incident that you know that's that's concerns you that you know basically came to my head. So you're part of an organization that you know is celebrating hundred years, and apparently uh, they had uh, uh, a choice that was given to you, saying you know you have five options. You can choose any of these in terms of corporate gifting, and you are one of one among those who said I don't want the gift. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you you are starting a new controversy, but okay, <laughs> I I enjoy that anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, it's quite uh, quite fun actually. Uh, yeah, well, one reason of course is uh, it has to do with uh, sustainability uh, because uh, what what I what I realized is that uh, this uh, corporate gifting or or whatever it's uh, it's again going to come uh, wrapped in some ten layers of single use plastic. Which uh, uh, and maybe another couple of layers of cardboard, which uh, which is not necessarily made from uh, recycled paper or anything, but regardless, it's like a waste. Uh, the more uh, practical reason for that also had to do with uh, you know some of the uh, most of the gifts uh, I I didn't find them very valuable, right? So uh, it's like uh, and uh, uh, what what I also said uh, a few minutes ago that. Uh, as much as possible i try to avoid uh, having things which i don't need right so it's like uh, if if i already have a washing machine what am i going to do with another washing machine right so um, that's uh, that's one part of it uh, the other part is uh, which maybe it's not so obvious is that uh, you buy or you get a gift uh, something that you don't necessarily need 
and then you also need to pay some tax on it um, because uh, if the value of that gift is more than 5,000 rupees, then uh, it is taxable in the hands of uh, whoever receives the gift. And uh, if, it, if at least it is something valuable and then I pay some tax to the uh, to my country, then that's uh, still okay. But uh, I end up with some junk which I don't really need. And then I also pay tax over it. And that, uh, that really didn't make any sense to me. But more, more fascinating for me is, uh, you know, that there is uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion happening uh, on you know, when am I going to receive. I mean, the other people who opted for the gift, they are constantly discussing, right? You know, when am I going to receive my gift and uh, who is going to deliver and uh, so on. Uh, and uh, this kind of amuses me because, you know, because of my choice, I'm completely out of all this. And I don't have to worry about uh, all those things anymore. Like who is going to deliver, will there be an OTP? Uh, uh, if they deliver a fake product, what should I do? Or if it is damaged, what should I do? You know, I can just uh, uh, simplify my life. Just just avoid doing things that you don't need, uh, and uh, you can uh, you can live a, a little more happily. What fascinated me is that you chose. Uh, even though I think we we uh, we were getting it without paying charges, without paying much. Uh, generally, like a free product. Uh, which essentially has become, you know, freebies from the organization, freebies from the government. A lot of heat is there on that. And you are yeah. them who made a very conscious choice that I don't want it. I think that option of exactly. not, not choosing a gift was not at all there until you, you said, oh, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in general, that's true for anything. Even, uh, you know, even for some things like uh, you want to pay uh, your uh, internet bill, uh, and then uh, there's always this, uh, you, if you use this uh, payment app, you get uh, five reward points. If you use uh, that credit card, you get 2% uh, cashback. Uh, if you do something else, uh, you get 50% off on the next purchase. If you apply this coupon code, you get 10 rupees off. And you, you are constantly thinking about uh, this and uh, you don't realize that, you know, to, to pay an internet bill of 500 rupees, you are spending two hours uh, comparing various things and... Uh, uh, and you know, uh, at the end you get some three or four rupees. It's not worth all the hazard. Just uh, you know, so what I what I do is every month I just pay all my bills using one credit card, uh, and at the end of the month I pay that credit card bill using one bank account, and uh, and that's it. I don't bother uh, installing some two dozen uh, uh, UPI apps on my phone. I just use one of it. And whatever cashback I get or I don't get, I don't care about it. Just just keep your life simple. Uh, just uh, try to reduce the number of uh, variables in your life and then uh, you can uh, spend uh, more time on uh, other things that matter to you. Uh, that that would be, I think, uh, one or maybe, maybe that was one of the points that I may have wanted to share and it's good that uh, this topic came up at the end. Uh, and then, you know, you said, you know, when I asked you the previous question, uh, this is going to be a controversy. And Arvind and controversy are never apart. <laughs> exactly exactly yes that's that's true and yeah, like uh, i said you know if you're a villain it's uh, very easy to do things and have you never been afraid to you know say that things are not right or things could be different uh, i think it's a very you know, basic question that i'm asking very very late into the podcast yeah i mean uh, there, there's always a fear of uh, things going wrong uh, i mean so you rub somebody the wrong way and uh, they, they they take some action against you uh, that's uh, that's true i mean that that, that always that, that period always there uh, but somehow uh, the 
the, the inner uh, motivation that I have to see things improve, that uh, very often that helps me to uh, you know overcome that fear. And in general, you know, regardless of uh, what I say uh, about people, what I say about organizations, uh, I have this uh, belief that uh, intrinsically, uh, everybody at heart is a good person, right? So, um, you know, even uh, even in the worst case, uh, you know, uh, even if I say something uh, uh, about a person which I don't like, uh, in, internally, I truly believe that those people are good and uh, I, at some level, they will take it uh, in a positive way. So that also helps me to, uh, you know, ne negate this fear to some extent. Interesting. But that's a very, very amazing thought to have that, you know, intrinsically people are, uh, people are good. Uh, and we need more, more such, you know, rebels like you, people who are ready to, you know, <laughs> basically put their hand up and say things are not working. And uh, I think I personally have had a great, uh, great discussion today. And I think also with, with all the prior history, with all sustainability, employees, the future and, you know, boss uh, in general, uh, it's been amazing and I and I hope you get a little more power and a little more freedom to also exercise all the things that uh, you do. And thank, thanks for being on this podcast. I think it was an amazing uh, one and a half hour or one hour. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's good. So, how is was, how was it for you? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so maybe in short... I really enjoyed uh, being on this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, and yeah, we'll stay in touch and do some really good things together. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you all. Bye.